Welcome to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. Each week brings a new message that looks to invite you into a new life brought by Jesus Christ. We hope you are inspired and changed by God by the message brought by today's speaker. I do want to make a couple of announcements as, a, as the pastoral announcements. I know it's looking like we're taking time for the sermon, but we're not. Um, there is a circus today, and um, I don't know why we couldn't take those cards that Debbie helped make, and we have others of introducing the church, and go and pass them out. I just don't know why we can't. Assuming you can walk, assuming you want to go, assuming you can be there, I would say go and walk and be there and hand them out. Look around and see a pew beside you that has empty spaces. Envision a pew beside you that has no places left. And let's go be the Great Commission. Can I get you to do that? Um, also, the Levittsburg Revival starts tonight at 6 p.m. Or starting this morning. We're not there, but for the evening service tonight is at 6 p.m. And Monday through Wednesday is 6.30 p.m. Um, we have decided in talking with Debbie that we're going to disband this Wednesday night. Not every Wednesday night, but this Wednesday night. And just go, um, if you want to tag team and carpool, that's great. But we want to meet down there and support them. Dr. Marlon Hodel, he was my DS in, in, in Kentucky in the Wesleyan Church. He has a wonderful way of speaking and connecting with people. And I think you're going to uh, enjoy that. And uh, the 24th, which is in two weeks, we will be gone for a prearranged vacation. This leadership team, I'm going to tell you, incredible. I've been at this since I was age 15. Folks, that's 50 years. I'm 65 now. And that's an awfully young age to be a minister of music. You've got to hope and pray you're doing it right. But I have never been in a church that has treated us this well. And we are blessed. And, and this is our vacation. I don't know the name of the gentleman that's coming to you, Debbie. Okay, Debbie. Scott was, was the... Um, church board secretary when that was arranged so I know that she knows who it is and we'll let you guys be surprised but uh, I'm going to ask you I'm going to ask you no I'm going to plead with you take time pray fast ask God to anoint that person like never before in their life and this place like never before in, in your life you see I still believe if we are a church that is a church of prayer instead of just a church that prays we will be transformed I really mean that. And uh, I think that's it. I, I share a praise too. Um, as you know, we post it to, to Facebook. And I've got a lot of little rooms that I go into that I have that I've had for years. And we are going to be uploaded from Namibia, South Africa, the Congo, Germany, France, and Italy overseas from various people. Folks, it's going out from here. God is doing a great work. And then you wonder why some of these people don't come. It's going to be a long drive across the ocean for some of these folks. But uh, that said, be broken for people and invite them. Let's get into... Oh, you've already got... Man, you're good, Kyle. Thank you so much. Um, I want to say thank you to Kyle. Um, Someone sticking, in, sticking to it and making that as ministry. That's phenomenal. Thank you. I appreciate you, brother. I mean that. By way of introduction, there is within the church at large a theological position that has been difficult for many to grasp. You, me, us, as well as many others. Um, it is a theological position that far too often has been spoken of in ways that leads to guilt placed on us versus to give an excuse for what's happened versus to not take full responsibility and ownership of what the Holy Word of God tells us about this very doctrine and this very theological position. We hear of it often and sometimes we hear of it spoken in ways that are innocently enough spoken in error. We want to understand it, we want to share it, and yet sometimes we don't always grasp it ourselves. And so we get to some issues that we really don't understand and we do our best, but yet sometimes an error. And I'm going to be the first to tell you in the years past, I have been there and I just, I've got to ask people to forgive me for it. 
Yet where we can get it right is when we go to the Word of God, we dwell in the Word of God, we immerse ourselves in the Word of God, we get the Word of God pouring into us that if the Word of God comes from us, we get it right. I will tell you this, um, I love our mission statement. What it reminds me of is we were in a church that we had one that was a lot shorter. Where did David go? Oh, there you are. It was a lot shorter, David. We exist, you ready? To be disciples that make disciples. Really long and hard to remember. We exist to be disciples that make disciples. The rest of what we do here, all of what we do here, in essence, is the same thing. We do it with some other things added, but we exist to be disciples that make disciples. And as disciples of Jesus Christ, it's based on this book we call the Holy Bible. I want to talk to you about this doctrine, and that doctrine, quite honestly, is the biblical forgiveness. Forgiveness has been defined in many ways, yet we go to the Greek and the Hebrew words in it, and it means to pardon, to not hold on to, and that's huge, and we will get to that, so hold on to that, of not holding on to the offense, and or to release that person of the offense. Yet even in that study, we can get so misguided that we fall into guilt and frustration at best, or we can also fall into rejection and depression at worst, because we sometimes misunderstand it. And I want to try to give us a biblical perspective, a biblical perspective of forgiveness. Not emotional, not counseling, though I do a lot of it. A biblical perspective of forgiveness. What is meant by that last sentence is that we often hear the word study in ways that puts us in a position of having to, by that other way of explaining it, the wrong way, assuming the guilt of what was done. Or assuming the guilt of the person that did it. And folks, that's not biblical. You do something, you bear the responsibility. If it's sin, you bear the guilt. I've talked with a lot of people who went through abuse in a lot of ways. I talked with prisoners that went and did some things that were not good. And only those who owned their own were able to then ask Jesus to forgive them of what they did. I want to first start off with what is forgiveness. It is not it is not these things. Forgiveness is not denial. And what I mean by that is we do not say it didn't happen or they didn't do it. If that were true, then you wouldn't have anything that happened and there would not be a person around that did whatever it was that happened. So forgiveness is not denial and it is not requalifying or redefining what happened to make it a not thing, i.e. nothing bad. Forgiveness is not refusal. It is not refusing to pray for the person about who did something when you finally give forgiveness. It does not excuse that. It does not say they should not have consequences. It does not say there should not be ramifications. But it does not say also that we should not pray for them that their soul would be saved from hell. It is different to say that we're praying for them that they would repent and to pray that, oh well, it's okay. It didn't happen. Again, back to denial. Let's remember, when God said many times that they have done this to my children, it was when, they, when people or groups did something to his people, they did it against him. Even Saul, on the road to Damascus before he became Paul, Lord, Lord, why are you, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Me. He was putting people in prison, he was having them killed, all because of Jesus. So why are you persecuting me? He would go on to say, we are the bride of Christ. Show me a husband that you pick on his bride is not going to stand up and correct your thinking. Show me a mama or daddy that when their kids are threatened, they're not going to correct your thinking. And I will show you somebody that has an issue. God is not that way. We are the bride of Christ and he sticks up for us. Another thing is forgiveness is not prevention or reversal. It is not prevention or reversal. Because I forgive you for the it's that you may have done, it does not prevent the impact of what it had on me. It doesn't mean when I forgive someone, I have to say, well, nothing really happened. They did it, but it didn't happen. It does not prevent the impact. And it does not reverse the impact. It does not reverse the emotional strain. It does not reverse the memory issues. It does not do any of that. 
and does not prevent the pain that is caused by certain things. It doesn't. Forgiveness is also not easy. I will tell you there have been things that have happened to Karen and I both in, uh, before we were married and since we've been married. It's not easy. There's things that have happened to each one of you that are not good, and forgiveness is not easy. Forgiveness does not also always have an explanation. We cannot explain why the it's happened. We cannot always explain why certain people do certain things, except that they are E-V-I-L or controlled by S-A-T-A-N to inflict P-A-I-N on you and M-E. That's just reality. Forgiveness does not mean or should, we should or must have connection with that person. That's huge. Now let me explain what I mean by that. Because I forgive someone of what they have done does not necessitate that I should have restored relationship to them because of who they are. Well, you don't have a biblical perspective of that. Actually, yes, I do. Proverbs in two different passages and Psalms are three of those uh, Three of those areas. In Proverbs 20, verse 3, keep aloof, keep away from strife and those who cause it. Because every fool is a, causes quarreling. If you're around somebody, every time they get around somebody, they, have to, they seem to be looking for something to complain about about someone. Be aloof from them. And if you're around the person that hurt you, you never really get to heal from the hurt done to you. Proverbs goes on in chapter 26, 11, and compares that to a pig returning to the uh, pig pen and a dog referring to the stuff, the emesis. And then look at Psalms 1 in your own time. Blessed is the man who what? Walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, who does not stay in the way of sinners, who does not sit in the seat of the scornful. We do not have to have continued connection with those that we have forgiven for the it. A, it's not always safe. B, it's not always good. C, a lot of times it's just not healthy. What does that mean? Forgi what is forgiveness then? What does it mean for forgiveness? Forgiveness is, first I will share this with you. Forgiveness is a decision of my will even beyond my emotions or the emotional decision. There are times in my emotions it, I cannot let go of it right away, but I say, God, in my will, I want to be forgiving of them. Because then I am free. I am free. God calls us to have grace and then to impart grace. But so it's a decision of my will to have him help me get to the point where I can release them, i.e. release the offense, not hold on to the offense. Told you we'd come back to that. And then get healed and free myself. Forgiveness of discipleship, as the life of Jesus calls us to be like him, follow his commands, and forgive others. <clears throat> Pardon me. Get beyond the offense. Go forward. Rather than be stuck in the present or live in the past. It's about us getting free. It is not about, contrary to popular belief that I have been told even this week, it is not about letting them or assuming them getting away with it. It is about me. It is not about them. Forgiveness further. They nor it not being forgiven, even if it's an act of the mind and the heart has to follow along, is not worth me being in misery the rest of my life. You may have to take safety precautions and measures to be able to separate yourself from that person's Aroundness or influence. By aroundness, I mean being around them. But still serve Jesus and be involved in the church. And don't let it affect your Christian walk or your service walk in the body of Christ. I mean that very powerfully. It is obedience to a command. Jesus commands us to forgive. Pray, pay attention to yourselves, Luke 17, 3. If your brother sins, rebuking him. And if he repents, forgive him. And we're going to come back to the if heart. I want to talk to you this morning about our theme. I want to talk to you this morning about our theme. Our theme is this, biblical forgiveness for holy 
living. Biblical forgiveness for holy living. Our text will be a springboard text. I want to come from Luke chapter 23, verse 34. And I will ask you to forgive me for last week. I put the wrong reference and two people corrected me for it. So I think I got it right, Debbie. And <clears throat> never mind. I can pick on her. She picked on me. I forgave her. Jesus said to them, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do, and they cast lots to divide his garments. Let me pause there a minute. He forgave the ones at the foot of the cross who were casting lots for his garments and who had put him on that cross. We have no record of them ever really being exposed to Jesus' teaching, his healing, his miracles, his message, his feeding. That crowd was the one who said, crucify him, crucify him, knowing who he was and is. And then they said, let the guilt be on us and our children. And you know what happened in 70 AD? It was. Jerusalem was ransacked. People were murdered. Women were abused in the worst way. Children were taken into child slavery. He forgave the ones who did not know what they were doing. And a soldier turned and said, truly, this was the Son of God. Wouldn't it have been interesting to be able to transport through time and look at that man's face and the horror and yet the marvelous message in his face that he would have seen that this was and is the Son of God. Our sermon in the sentence is this. Holy forgiveness is holy discipleship in holiness living. Holiness, holy forgiveness is holy discipleship in holiness living living. How do we get to forgiveness? What is the plan, the way to be forgiven ourselves and to extend forgiveness to others even when it is tough? I'm going to exert a little bit of pastoral privilege. This is a hard sermon for me to preach. I don't want you folks to think that I am beating up on you and if you don't do this, you're not doing things my way. I want you to understand, I just want you to be free to have grace in your life to where you can transfer yourself from the difficulty of the issues and into the freedom that forgiveness allows. I don't want to come across as a bully. That's not the point. I also want to tell you that I am dealing in some ways, in some aspects of this message in our lives because of things that has happened to us. And so we're all on this journey. And I've got news for you. In some way, there will be things that happen from people that do things that we will in some ways always be on this journey. But I'm also going to tell you, the journey's worth it. The journey is worth it. The first point I would make about how do we get there is this. Point one. Point one. Forgiveness must be preceded. Forgiveness must be preceded. Now, Pastor, what do you mean by that? Point A is this. It must be preceded by conviction. It must be preceded by conviction. My verse reference there, if you'll read it while I'm on the overhead while I'm reading it to you, is this. And when he comes, he, i.e. the Holy Spirit, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. It must be preceded by conviction. The Holy Spirit convicts with his very presence on us, in us, with us, around us, and to us. There is no doubt in my mind that when somebody does something that is wrong and is sin, God the Holy Spirit is faithful, even though they are not. He is faithful to say, wrong. Wrong. The Holy Spirit convicts of sin, the willful, knowing, sorry, active awareness of the attitude, the thought, the action that the person has or does. You and me, or the one who is the person who did it as well. Not just us, but the other person who did the it to us. In talking with you each, I can understand why some of you struggle because of some of the things that some of you have been through. But let me offer you this. Those who have done the it know they did it. it and it is wrong and they will pay a price if they haven't already. There are people in Illinois that abused me horrible that are paying the price. 
There are others who have done things to people that I don't know how long, but I will tell you this, they will pay a price, even if it's eternity. The Holy Spirit convicts with judgment, a judgment that occurs when and as the Holy Spirit, who is faithful, deals with and re, uh, the person who refuses to submit to confession and repentance so they can have forgiveness. Point A was it must be preceded with conviction. Point B is it must be preceded with repentance. The verse that I am going to springboard off of here is, is uh, 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, that's repentance. Then I will hear from heaven. Then I will forgive their sins. Then I will heal their land. Are you seeing that we must have repentance before we can have forgiveness? Are we getting it? A humbling of the heart, a brokenness about the sin that is convicted or committed, sorry, and convicted of by the Holy Spirit. An acceptance of the action is actually sin. We've gone over that a few times, and I'm not going to go over it all again today, but still, it's important. A confession of the sin and the sin we did that without blaming others or anyone else or the person that did it, that they did to us. We can still have it in our hearts that we can extend forgiveness when, as, and if so that we are free. So that we are free. But there still has to be a repentance. A seeking of the Lord to coming in and coming to him needing forgiveness or the sin of unforgiving spirit and needing to extend forgiveness and folks that's huge if something's still plaguing you and something's still controlling you then there is not forgiveness about that at least of the mind and the will and after that the emotions will follow point C is this it must be preceded by confession. 1 John 1, 9 is where I'm going to come from. It's on the overhead. You read it while I read it out loud. If we confess our sins, he is faithful, he is just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Forgive us of our sins. There must be confession. You getting it? Am I, am I communicating? Are you understanding? Confess, I did it, or I experienced it. Confess, the it was done and was and is sin. Confess, and it wasn't an accident. Confess that we need the faithfulness of Jesus to cleanse. And confess that we need the faithfulness of Jesus to help us with the inability to forgive that person of that thing as well. There's not a person in here that has not sinned. There's not a person in here that is not offended. There's not a person in here that has not transgressed and done things that people have been hurt by. There's not a person in here that hasn't done something to someone. And yet sometimes we just need to confess it, even to that person, and ask for forgiveness. Are you hearing me? Do you understand what I'm saying? Holy forgiveness is holy discipleship in holy living. Point one was forgiveness must be preceded. Point two is this. Forgiveness, biblical forgiveness, must have a result. A result. What do I mean by that? Point A is this. There must be a result of a transformation. It's on the overhead. You read it while I'm, while I'm reading it out loud. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, though many, are forgiven. She loved much. To he who was forgiven little loves little. Next slide, please. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Those with him at the table, with him began to say among themselves, who is he that even forgives sins? Look at what Jesus did and said. He didn't even address them. He addressed her. And he said, to the woman, 
Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. We strongly think this was Mary Magdalene. I was reading in commentaries, they said, well, this was probably Lazarus' sister because she was not a sinner. That is completely contradicted in this, in this passage. She was. Regardless, transformation. She was considered a sinful woman and her sin was known and she had a legacy like no other. Men around her were sitting there, how can he forgive sins? And what it is, is how can he forgive sins of people, especially people like her? She brought the alabaster oil to anoint the feet of Jesus, seeking Jesus with tears and drying his feet with her hair. That's transformation. She showed great love for Jesus, seeking his presence, his favor to intersect her legacy. Her legacy that she had left, her life that she had lived and situation, and even kissed his feet. His feet. What's the importance of that? She demonstrated great transformation, and in those two signs of anointing his feet, drying them with her hair, and then kissing his feet, she surrendered to his lordship of whatever he chose to do. Okay, but desperately, desperately needing forgiveness and having a complete desperate transformation of no longer doing and being the sinful person she was and becoming the transformed person she became. She thought with so many, though her sin was many, she was forgiven and she had a transformed life. Do we get it? There must be transformation. Point B is this. The, forgive, the holy result of holy forgiveness must have a holy fear. Let's springboard off of Mar, uh, Psalms 130, verses 3 through 4. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? Who could stand? But with you, there is, there's the word, forgiveness. That you may be F E A. R-E-D, feared, feared. There's a great sermon that I encourage you to look up and read, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, that's fear, Jonathan Edwards, fear. It is a fear of what our sins could and would lead to without our being forgiveness, extent, uh, receiving, without being forgiven. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, who could stand? I would be as a sinner standing in front of you and I couldn't stand. It is a fear of being held accountable to God for our sin and for the offenders in our lives to be punished by God going in hell if we do not seek forgiveness ourselves and extend forgiveness to them. It does not say excuse that incident. It does not say allow the uh, no consequences of the incident but in our mind then maybe later from our heart and how much longer I do not know forgiveness still why for them no not so they can get away with it but that so we can be free and God steps in and God takes over it's tough when it's us do we have a holy fear of God that drives us to be seeking forgiveness? But it's tougher sometimes still regarding others. Do we seek the, the, the offender in such light? Do we see them that they are without God and they will burn in hell for eternity if they do not become transformed themselves? Again, it does not excuse. It does not deny. It does not say it didn't happen. And that they did not do it. But without forgiveness, they will burn in hell. Maybe what we ought to do is get into the book of the, uh, into the Word of God this week and understand about the rich man who uh, the, the poor man who begged and the rich man who went to hell and get a glimpse of hell itself.
In hell you will have torture. In hell you will have your memory. In hell you will have the considerations and concerns about your loved ones. Send someone back so they do not come to such an awful place. In hell you will see what you could have experienced. Hell. Fire. Suffering. No escape. And with those who even did the it to you as well. It can be harder, hard for us and harder for the other person, but can we get to the place that sin is so great that we hope, pray, and intercede even on behalf of the ones who have hurt us, even so great of what they had become. This does not deny the pain, it does not deny the offense, it does not deny the happening. It does not excuse, it does not explain, it does not blame me, it does not take on their responsibility, it does not say I have to ask forgiveness for them, they have to ask forgiveness for them, I extend to them through Christ and a release to them so that he can take over and he bring and conviction and judgment. Did we get it? I toyed with this, but I feel go ahead and do it. And I have a sister who was on a date and was hurt in the worst way. She went to an alleged Christian college and they covered it up to protect the college. And yet so many knew about it anyway. And to this day, she's not in church. The pain. I do not know what's happened to you, but what I do know is forgiveness can come from you, that you are free. Not excuse the it, not release their consequences, not deny, not let them get away with it, but let you get out from under it. Point C is this, forgiveness received must lead to a cessation of the bitterness of the bitterness, a cessation of the bitterness. Hebrews 12, 15, see to it that none of you fall short in this grace, in the grace, in this grace. What grace? The grace that was said just before that about holiness grace of God. Hence, our sermon in a sentence. And that his, and that no bitterness springing up causes trouble. And that by it you may become defiled. Bitterness. Show me someone who has bitterness. Show me someone who has difficulty forgiving. Show me someone who continues to continue to continue to remember and harbor a grudge. And I will show you someone who probably has not forgiven someone of something at some point. Or has been taught, like we said in the beginning, wrongly about forgiveness. And they cannot embrace that. Bitterness prevails when we dwell in the occurrence. Bitterness leads to troubled life. And we need to be free. And bitterness prevents us from having and dwelling in the freedom of grace and the grace of the holy life. It helps this forgiveness helps prevent us from going into sin ourselves of unforgiveness. This Forgiveness helps prevent us from trading what is for the glory of what can be in our lives. We trade the hurt and the unforgiveness for forgiveness and grace in our lives. Being holy, even as he is holy. God, for Christ's sake, forgave even the folks at the foot of the cross who were killing his own son. I've got to tell you, folks, I can't even fathom that one. I can't even get my head around that one. Thank God I don't have to. Forgiveness helps prevent us from regrets of our own life and not focus on their sin. Holy forgiveness is holy discipleship and holiness living. Point one was forgiveness, 
must be preceded. Point two, the biblical forgiveness must have a result. And point three is this, biblical forgiveness is involved. And here's where it gets tougher. Are you ready? Are you ready? Point A is it involves me forgiving others. Jesus said in Luke 23, 34, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they were doing from our text. Jesus was not the sinner. Jesus was not the one who did things wrong. He was accused and he was crucified. But he forgave them, the thems in his life. He released them. He, truly, this was the Son of God. Is it any wonder that soldier turned and said that? Remember me when you come into your paradise. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. You know where he went? Paradise. Can you imagine? I know it didn't happen, but what if he'd have got up there and someone said, well, why do you think you ought to be here? Well, the guy in the middle said I could come. The guy in the middle said I could come. And he forgave me. Slam dunk. We're done. Come on in. Forgiveness brought to mind will deliver us from the hurt even as Jesus did on the cross. And forgiveness will deliver us from the unforgiving spirit that will condemn us as well. Point B is this. Forgiveness involves others, but it also involves me. Psalms 32.5, I acknowledge my sin to you. I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Me. Look, if you would, in Psalms 51, one of the greatest passages as it relates to me being involving me. I did not put it on the overhead. I'm going to encourage you on your phones, in your Bibles, to let's look at it a little bit together. We're not going to read the whole chapter or the whole psalm, but I want to read some of it. Psalms 51, we will focus on very few verses, but I want to encourage you to read that as well this week. You've got a lot of homework this week, but that's okay. Discipleship is daily. It isn't just today. Psalms 51, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly of my iniquity cleanse me from my sin are you ready to get smacked upside the head as one guy put it I know my transgression my sin is ever before me the story is this is what David wrote after his sin with Bathsheba and he had murdered her husband Uriah the Hittite who was one of his greatest warriors because he would not go in and, and have relationships with his wife. And his sin was now caught. And he looked at Bathsheba because he took her to himself to provide for her because she was pregnant. And his sin was ever before him. I have to forgive me for the sin, me, I, me, has committed. Sometimes, folks, that can be easy. If I burn the bagel, I can forgive myself pretty easy, and I burn a few bagels. But what if it's something a lot worse? I don't know your life. I do not know where you've walked. I do not know what you've done in your life that Jesus has forgiven you. But sometimes it's tough. To forgive ourselves because of dealing with the man last week not this not this last week but the week before 
<coughs> pardon me, we were talking. And he was saying, why would God even want me? Why would God forgive me? And he outlined what he had done. And he could not forgive himself. I really felt like last week we needed to preach what we did. I believe in holiness. I believe in discipleship. I believe in sanctification. But yet this is an aspect of holiness and discipleship. And hence this message for this week was impressed so heavy on me because of this man forgiving me for what I have done. To whom little is forgiven, little is loved. But notice the lady before. She had a reputation and it was probably Mary Magdalene the prostitute. And yet I have known those who were street walkers, and we'll leave it at that, who God has transformed tremendously. I have known people who have been in prison who God has transformed tremendously. I know a retired past, a pastor who retired from the ministry after 30 years of ministry, but he had preceded that with a lot of crime. And he's gone on to be with Jesus. I went to school, to college with his son. I went to college with his son. Can we forgive ourselves? Kids are coming back, so do not be disturbed. That's okay, that's great. Can we forgive ourselves? And now here's the tough part. Are we ready? Point C. You're going to get shot a little bit. Point C, Kyle, if you would help me, please. Thank you. I am not saying God is wrong. I am not saying God commits sin. I am not saying God is ever mistaken. But what I am saying is this. In our own minds, there may come a place because of whatever that we have to release God for allowing it to happen. And in so doing, in some ways, we forgive God even. Psalms 44 is way too long to read it all. Psalms 44 is way too long to put it up there. But let me give you the basis of it. The writer of the Psalms 44 uses verses 1 through 7 to remind God of where they have been. And he recounts what God has done. You delivered us. You brought us out. You advocated for us. We were delivered. We had great things. And we took in a country. You went before us with our armies. And then in verse 8, but now, where are you? Why do you not answer us, God? God, why do you let us be weak? Why do you let accidents happen where people get hurt? Why do you let loved ones die and suffer greatly? God, if you're so all-powerful, why didn't you come down when you said you would? God, if you were so all-answering, why didn't you restore the years that were taken? I don't have an answer. We don't have an answer. But what I will tell you this is Jesus is still the answer. I don't know where you're at. But I think sometimes the greatest struggle in the people within the body of Christ as they work through their past and work through overcoming some things, God, why? I will share this with you. It's not, it's not sin to say why. If that were true, Jesus would be the biggest sinner. And I am not going there. Them dogs don't hunt, folks. That coon don't climb. Why have you forsaken me, God? Father, Jesus, on the cross, not being nailed to the cross, but on the cross. I will tell you this, it's not always wrong. It's the heart that makes it wrong or the heart that is broken and desperate 
And I will be honest with you too. You don't have to ask Karen. I have been there about this sale of this house. Prayerfully, the sale will go through the 19th, whatever she said. Next week or this week? This week, Friday. Why did it take so long? Why did we get a less than we had wanted and, and it had been valued at? Why didn't you send somebody come in and do it? Why, after we put so much money in this house to upgrade it, and then for us, we could not get it out? Why did we have to put more in it and it not work out like we had hoped? You know what? I don't have an answer. You know what? I don't know why potholes were hit. You know what? I don't need an answer now. I still question, but we also go forward. Because in forgiveness, what we end up doing is being released ourselves to not get stuck in the, in the present or get bound away from having a future. And point D is this, forgiveness may, in me, it may involve me seeking restitution. Luke 9, 8. You remember the story? Well, Jesus is there with Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus has been up in the tree. He sees Jesus. Jesus says, come down, and he goes to his house. And here is Zacchaeus, and here's the verse. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to feed the poor. And here's the big thing also. If I have defrauded anyone anything, I will restore fourfold. Restitution. Restitution. Forgiveness may cost, but forgiveness also pays forward of us being clean before God. Acknowledge sin done by me to another when go to them and confess it. Seek to be reconciled to the one if possible, if it is safe. Realizing that the person may never seek it from you, so let it go. But also, also be free in forgiveness through God of releasing them to God that the Holy Spirit of God will do his work in them. And then very quickly, point four, holy forgiveness is holy discipleship and holy living. But point four, point four, thank you. Biblical forgiveness has rewards. I'm just going to go ABC. I'm not going to go into a lot. When forgiveness is given to us, then our sins are remembered no more. Point A, biblical forgiveness by us has our sins remembered against us no more. Isaiah 43, 25, I am he who blots out your sins and transgressions for my own namesake. I will remember them no more. Next slide, please. Hebrews 10, 17, then he adds, I will remember their sins no more. No more. Our sins, when we forgive, are remembered no more. If you forgive the sins of many, I will forgive yours. Father, forgive us even as we have forgiven others. Forgive their sins even so that your sins may be forgiven. Forgive us our debts as we forgive uh, the debts of others. The, the Lord's Prayer. Point B is this, when forgiveness is given from us, our sins are also forgiven. Matthew 6, 14, if you forgive others their trespasses, our Heavenly Father will also forgive you. Rewards, release, justified, our sins are forgiven as well. Our freedom is there, but our sins are forgiven as well. And let's go to point C, Kyle, if we could, please. 
forgiveness by us has rewards of obedience by us. Obedience. Ephesians 4.32, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. It's a command. It's obedience. We are not overcome by the past, but we are overcome by the good and holiness of God's transforming grace. What I'm telling you this morning and what I felt absolutely convicted of to share this morning is very difficult. It can be very dif difficult to hear. It can be very difficult to understand. It can be very difficult to embrace. I am very aware of that. And yet I'm going to share this with you too. If we do, then he does. If we do, then he does. He does what? He gives us life. He gives us release. He gives us cleansing. He gives us freedom. And he gives us forgiveness ourselves, even of an unforgiving spirit. Well, how do I know I've got an unforgiving spirit? Do you dwell on it? When you remember, and you will, does that still cause grief, anger? I'm not saying there shouldn't be consequences based depending on what happened. I'm not. I'm not. There's a lot of things that should. But let me ask you, can you release them to God while seeking for recompense? Can you release them to God while seeking recompense for tough, tough stuff. I've worked in multiple prisons, and yes, I've known people that were convicted wrongly, but the vast majority of them were very much convicted rightly. I was called to go with, uh, to a visitation because one of the people that were coming to visit had diabetes and was brittle. And so as a nurse in that prison, they wanted someone there in the event of an issue related to diabetes. Some of you are diabetic, you know what I'm saying. Others of you have people that are diabetic in your family, you know what I'm saying. Or you know someone, you know what I'm saying. I was sitting there, I had four officers around me for my protection. The man was behind the glass. I was in front of the glass in case the person that came to visit got so stressed they went into diabetes issues. And when I looked up, I'd done my homework on that particular case. In walked the woman who was the mother of the victim. She wanted to see the one who had taken the life of her daughter from her. I can't even get there. I can't even understand that. And she picked up a phone and the man sat there angrily and, and the officer said, pick it up. And he did. And she said, I will be gone in less than a minute. I want you to know this. I'm glad you're in prison for what you did. But God through Christ has helped me to forgive you. May you find Jesus. I helped her go out to her car because I did not want to go back into SEGS where that man came from, segregation. I started bawling. If they had seen me bawling, I'd have been shivved almost instantly when I got back in. Weak. And I'd already had, we'll call it, two discussions with inmates that I could not be weak over, and I'm still alive today. Forgiveness. Do you have it? Have you extended it? 
Do you need it? More of you. More of you. I've had all, but what I need, Lord, is just more of you. Of things I've had, my fill. Only the hunger still empty, frail. Lord, hear my prayer for more of you. I'm not going to have you stand. I want you to sit. Now, that's an, un that's an unusual thing, and I know it, but that's okay. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes. I'm going to ask you to bow, all of, all of you bow your heads and close your eyes. And I'm going to ask you this. Do you need forgiveness? Perhaps it's something you did. Perhaps it's an attitude you've had. Perhaps it's an unforgiving spirit towards someone who's done something to you. Perhaps it's to God for allowing your kids or your family. Why didn't you stop this? If you're so all-powerful and all everything, why did you let that happen and them become that? Do you need forgiveness? You need to extend forgiveness. Has something happened to you that it is not an event in your life, but it is your life, and it defines your life now? The offense was so great that it was an event, but it also still has you trapped. It still has you there. It still has you overcoming. It still has you embittered. It still has you hurting. Not because of what happened, but because of who it has made you. Not just women, men. We think we're so strong that we can deal with this, but we, we are not that strong. Do we need to extend forgiveness? Lord, as we are sitting here, I am going to ask you, literally, as it were, that like this woman, let these people here, you can forgive even those people, that person, for that. Lord, I pray that you would help these people to be forgiven even if it's of an unforgiving spirit. And then, Lord, I plead that by the blood of Jesus, Satan, you are rebuked. You have no control. You have no authority. You have no grip. You have no influence. You are not part. And that there would be freedom and release and a newness that it is, not an e it is not a definition, it is an event, but it is not a definition of who I am. And that these people, despite the it's of life, can say and can experience and can have a forgiving spirit. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Thanks for listening to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. We hope you were inspired by this week's message. We'd love for you to join us on a Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We are located at 3924 High Street Northwest in Warren, Ohio. You can also join us on Facebook Live. 
For more information about our ministries, or if you'd like to contribute to our ministries online, visit us at championnaz.org.